tonight's lesson, if you want to, go ahead and open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. That's where uh, the main part of our text will come from this evening. Adam started and preached the first couple of series in this Words from a Dying Savior that we have started now on Sunday evenings. And when we think about the words of Jesus from the cross at Calvary, Jesus taught us so many things through his comments, so many things through uh, the words that he uttered from the cross. One thing that I think about was at this moment in the life of Christ had to be his most vulnerable moment as a human uh, moment in which he was facing the most difficult thing that he faced on the earth. One of the most difficult things that, that we can't even begin to imagine. And so when we look at his words, hopefully we can see some messages from a dying Savior. Some messages that can encourage us, uh, some messages that can teach us, but also uh, messages that give us hope. The question tonight from our text, in verse 45 and verse 46, we're going to read that really quickly and then look at some applications. Starting in verse 45 of Matthew chapter 27. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The question that we ask tonight is, what does this mean when Jesus says, why have you forsaken me? In preparing for this lesson and in looking at different commentaries and, and different things that were said uh, about this comment that Jesus made from the cross, there's only one conclusion that I could come to. And that was only Jesus could have known exactly what he meant when he uttered this phrase. Uh, there are so many different viewpoints of exactly what Jesus was saying. Uh, so many different thoughts on exactly what Jesus was saying. Tonight, what I would like to do is lead us through a study of this statement, but hopefully looking at it from three different perspectives. And I think that by doing so, we may not know exactly what Jesus meant entirely by this statement, but I think that we can have a pretty good idea of what was said when Jesus uttered this phrase from the cross. The first perspective that I would like us to look at this evening is from God the Father. And the question that I would like us to think about when looking at this perspective is, was God absent during this time in Jesus' life or in Jesus' ministry? If you'll notice in verse 40, uh, 45, we notice a, a phrase that says, From the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. You see, this event or this darkness that had covered the land was not a natural darkness. Uh, it, it was not an eclipse. It was not something like an eclipse that was naturally occurring. 
Because at this particular time in the year, the sun would have been too close to the earth for an eclipse to take place. And so this was not a naturally occurring event. And that leads us to understand only one thing. That God was absolutely present at this time in history. When His Son was dying on the cross, we know that God truly was there. God was present in this situation. When we think about darkness and light, so many verses come to mind. So many examples of light are given throughout Scripture. And we know that the Bible talks about light being the truth and darkness being evil or or, or lies that we hear in our life. And that uh, Jesus came as a light into a world of darkness. That we are to be lights, to let our light shine before others. And so we see throughout Scripture this contrast of light and darkness. This moment was no different. This moment in the life of Jesus, we see symbolism the same way that we've seen it throughout Scripture. That darkness was what was seen by so many who were witnessing this terrible event in the life of Jesus. You see, as we're going to look at a little bit further in just a moment... This was a moment in Christianity in which evil was personified some. In which evil had a greater place than it had ever had before. And so I think it appropriate that this event is surrounded by darkness. Because the light that had come into the world was hanging on a cross. We're not saying that Jesus was being defeated. We're not saying that Jesus had lost the battle. But for just a moment in time, darkness prevailed. Darkness was overshadowing the light at this particular moment in time. I think it very appropriate that the darkest hours in the life of Christ were surrounded by darkness on the earth. But... Even in that moment of darkness, the only thing that allowed darkness to exist was the power of God. The power of God was the only thing that was allowing darkness to overcome light at this particular moment in time. The second perspective that we must look at is God the Son. Before we really get into this part of Scripture... Or of the text. If you will, open your Bibles back up to the Old Testament text of the 22nd Psalm. Psalm 22. And we're going to look at these words from David. And see what application we can make to that moment in which Christ was being crucified on the cross. You probably immediately see some similarities. Because Psalm chapter 22 begins the exact same way that the text we just read reads, verse 1 of Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. You are the holy, enthroned on praises of Israel. And you, our fathers, trusted, and they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. 
But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All those who see me mock me. They make my mouths, they make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. We're going to stop right there. But we can immediately see similarities from these words of David foreshadowing what would happen that day on the cross. On the cross. Most things or, or scholars that I read in preparing for this agree that the words of David probably represented some situation in his life. Probably some situation in his life that was obviously very difficult for David as he begins, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But most scholars also believe that through inspiration, David was not only writing about an event in his life, he was foreshadowing the death of Christ. He was using an event in his life to show all of those that would read these words that there would be something greater in the future, a greater loss, so to speak, or a greater tragedy in the future. Yeah, David was probably talking about something in his life, but he was also telling us or teaching what would happen to Christ on the cross. There are too many similarities between what we see that actually happened to Jesus and the words of David here in Psalm chapter 22 to not be able to make that connection. As we look at Psalm 22, we may see that this verse talks a a lot of of negative imagery, of, of negative examples. But we can also find comfort in these verses. When we look at the life of David, even though he began this psalm with the words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This was not a moment in David's life when he was questioning the power of God. This was not a moment in David's life when he wondered, is God really going to be there for me? He did use the words, why have you forsaken me? But if we continue to read this psalm, we see that those words were uttered by David to not show doubt in God, but to show faith in God. If we begin reading it at verse 22... I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him. But he has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. These surely to me don't sound like words of a man who is questioning his faith in God. To me, I see a man who is going through something difficult in his life. But through that difficulty, he turns his praise and attention Back to God. He may have started the the psalm with, Why have you forsaken me? But he ends the psalm with praise and adoration for the God that he never lost faith in. I think we can take that and apply it to the life of Christ. And even in these words that Christ uttered on the cross, when the world tries to teach us 
that there's no way Jesus could have uttered these words because that would have shown a lack of faith in God. I think we can look at Psalm 22 and see that the exact opposite is actually true. Because you see, even in this utterance of Jesus, the first words that he says are, My God, my God. You see, that still shows the trust that Jesus had in his God, in my God. Even in the darkest hour of his life, his faith in God was just as strong as it has always been. Obviously, through these words, there was some sort of separation between God the Father and Jesus. I'm not even going to begin to try to tell you that I know exactly what that means, because I'd be lying. You'll have to ask somebody a lot smarter than me exactly what that means. But I know that something happened on that day. At the moment in which all sins, past and present, were laid on the shoulders of our Savior, darkness covered the world. And Jesus looked to God for help. Jesus turned to God in his most darkest time. The sins were laid on our Savior's shoulder. And we know that God cannot be present with sin. Or sin, rather, cannot be present with God. In the moment in which Jesus fully accepted our sins and put them to death on the cross there was obviously some sort of separation between Jesus and God the Father. Once again, I I don't fully know exactly what that means. But here's what it means to me. In the moment that the sins were laid on the shoulders of Jesus, God, for a moment turned away from his son and he turned and he faced me and he turned and he faced you because it was at that moment that I was no longer covered by sin because Jesus held all my sins at that moment. And so for that brief period of time in which all the sins were on the shoulders of our Savior, God could turn towards us and remember why this was happening. Not that he had forgotten, but truly understand why this sacrifice was being made. There was some sort of separation. But I also know that Jesus never doubted the presence of God, even in this darkest hour. Jesus knew God was present, but Jesus also knew his purpose on the earth. And he knew that this was his mission, to die on the cross. The words that were uttered by Jesus, once again, were not questions 
or not doubts. But rather they show us that even in the darkest hour, we can turn our faith to God the Father. The third perspective that I want us to look at is Jesus, the human form. We see many times in Scripture throughout the life of Jesus that even though God, or even though Jesus, God the Son, had the qualities of God the Father and they were one, we also see that when Jesus left heaven, he came to the earth and he took on human traits. He had needs just like you and I have needs. We see those needs in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 11. We see Jesus being tempted. We see Jesus being weak from fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. We see that Jesus had some of the same temptations that we have. Also in John chapter 11 verse 35, the Bible verse that we were probably all eager to read or learn, memorize as young children, we see that Jesus wept. Jesus had emotions like you and I have. There was sadness in the life of Christ. Even in the the night before Jesus would face the crucifixion, there was concern in the voice of Jesus. There was concern in the action of Jesus. And so, yes, even though he was God, he also had human traits, just like you and I. At this moment on the cross, I think that there's also something else that we can see through this phrase that Jesus uttered. The only thing that can defeat our physical bodies is sin. Sin can only defeat our physical bodies. But if we choose not to let it, sin can't touch our spiritual bodies unless we allow it in. You see, things can happen to us that destroy our physical bodies. Just at this moment in in the life of Christ, sin was defeating this physical body of Jesus. Not the sin of Jesus, the sin of others were what put our, our Savior on the cross. But even though sin can take away our physical bodies, the only way that it can touch our spiritual beings is when we allow it to. Our bodies were created with an anticipation of one day there being a separation of the physical and the spiritual. Our physical bodies were not created to last forever. But our spiritual bodies were. At this moment in which Jesus sacrificed his physical body to sin. He sacrificed his physical body to death. This was done so that our spiritual bodies could live for eternity. At that moment in which Christ was on the cross. And he uttered these words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was because our sins covered his physical body 
at that particular time. That moment in his life in which darkness surrounded him should have been the moment that provides us the greatest light as his children because he did take my sins to the cross. And I can beat something that previously I had no chance to beat. Even though darkness covered the earth for three hours, light will shine in eternity forever. I see some symbolism here also of each and every life that we live. Because you see, we were not created for things on this earth. Yeah, we have a job to do while we're here. Yeah, we need to do certain things while we're here. But when we get to eternity and see the light that surrounds us and truly realize how dark this world was, we can fully understand that three hours of darkness was worth an eternity of light. Our time on earth will be different for different people. But even though the length will be different, we will all face darknesses. But we can also get through those darknesses because of the light that lies at the end of our journey. And that light cannot be extinguished. That light cannot be put out. So while darkness covered the earth, light would soon prevail. And three hours of darkness, three days later, would be defeated by Christ that beat death and rose from the tomb to give you, to give me, to give us hope for eternity. One thing that I hope we can take away from this lesson, if nothing else, we see David use the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We see Jesus use the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We ourselves have probably used words similar to that. In our darkest hour, sometimes we wonder where God is. Sometimes we wonder, is God really paying attention to my life? Does he really know what I'm going through? God, why have you forsaken me? But here's where the hope prevails. Here's where the hope overcomes that question of why have you forsaken me? Because you see, no matter what we've done in our life, no matter what mistake we have made in our life, I never read the words, my child, my child, why have you forsaken me? Because you see, sometimes we may doubt God. 
we may question God. But God's ways are higher than ours. God's knowledge is higher than ours. And He's still standing with open arms, ready for us to turn to Him. Because you see, there'll never be a moment in our lives in which God leaves us. There'll never be anything that we face while here on this earth that God's not waiting for us to turn to Him. You see, God never gives up on us. God is never ready to admit defeat. God gave each and every one of us the ability to choose whether or not we would be His children. It takes certain people longer to make that decision than others. Some people make that decision early. Some people make that decision late. But we've never had to wait on God for anybody to make that decision. God is there, even in our darkest hour. Even if we have claimed that God left us in the past, God never left. He was there the entire time. Even though we may look around and only see darkness, God's there. God's waiting. God's ready to be our Father, for us to be His children. There was a moment in time that for three hours, darkness was seen by the world while our Savior hung on the cross. But in the end, light once again prevailed. When you look around at your life tonight, is it surrounded by darkness or is it surrounded by light? Maybe recently you've even uttered those words, God, how could you leave me in a time like this? God, do you really know what I'm going through? Why have you forsaken me? But let's not forget that God is there even in our darkest hour. God wants us to turn to Him in our darkest moments. Even though the words that Jesus uttered on this day at this particular time made to us sound like a negative statement, They showed the true faith of Jesus, just as they did of David. You see, even in in those difficult times, when we ask God why, the important thing is that we're still asking God, because we know that He's in control. We don't have a problem in our lives until... We forget to ask God why. We don't understand everything God understands. We know that. There'll be things that we never understand while on this earth. But let's not ever forget to always utter the words, My God, my God. Because then we truly know 
who has the most power in our life. If God is always the first person that we turn to, I think that we can understand that he's still in control of our lives. My question to you tonight is this. Whatever you're going through, whether the times are wonderful, whether the times are are difficult right now, before you lay your heads down tonight to go to sleep, will you spend time talking to your God? Will you spend time thanking God for the wonderful things that you have? Will you spend time asking God for help for those things that you're going through in your life? Because you see, in my opinion, the trouble comes when we forget to ask God, to go to God in prayer. That's the moment that trouble has entered our life. Have you been going through something recently and and have turned to different solutions rather than God? Have we turned to ways of this world to try to solve our solutions when God is waiting ready to help. Once again, just as we discussed this morning, when we offer the invitation in just a moment, I have no power to immediately solve the problems that you're facing in this world. We understand that. But just as we said this morning, there is something that we can't offer you. Not that I can offer you, but there's something that God has offered you. We may have darkness on this earth, but there will be a day when light prevails, when our faith becomes sight. What are we doing to solve the problems in our life right now? Have we turned to God or have we turned away from God. You see, the last thing that I want us to think about as we think about this moment in the life of Jesus, everything that our Savior went through, the torture, the beatings, the mockery, the placing of our sins on His shoulders, the darkness that surrounded Him, Everything that he went through in that moment, he knew two things. Number one, he knew that God was powerful. He knew the power of God. He knew what God could do because he was God. But the second thing that he understood is that what he did must be done because it's not something that you and I could do for ourselves. You see, at that moment, He didn't die for our problems. He died for our sins. We're going to have problems. Some that we may never overcome while on this earth. At some point, our physical bodies will cease to exist. 
but because of those three dark hours on the cross. Our spiritual bodies have the hope of eternity. Because Jesus died for my sins, not for my problems. I think sometimes we get those confused. Jesus nailed my sins to the cross. Because you see, even though I may experience darkness on this earth, that's not what I live for. I live for eternity. What do you live for? Do you live for pleasures of this earth? Or do you live for eternity? And even when the day is dark, the future is as bright as it's ever been. Tonight, I want you to ask yourself the question as, in just a second, Brother Ricky will lead us in a song. Who do I turn to when darkness surrounds my world? Do I say, my God, my God? If not, then I need to re-examine what God means to my life. Tonight, if you need to turn to God for the first time or even just turn back to God, let it happen tonight. Let it happen at the end of this week in which we've spent time remembering all the things that we have to be thankful for. Because you see, the thing that we have to give or we should give the most thanks to is this moment that we're looking at on Sunday nights when Jesus was nailed to the cross. That's what we should be most thankful for. At the end of a week in which we've spent time in thanksgiving, let's truly be thankful for God and what He offers us. Let's be thankful for the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross. Who do you turn to when you have needs? Because God is always ready. If you have any needs tonight, come right now while together we stand and while we sing.